you can monetize chaos. And companies that are interested in monetizing chaos have no interest in addressing the chaos. Welcome to the Illusion of More podcast. I'm David Newhoff. Today, we're talking about the illusion of value, by which I mean that acronym everybody is talking about, the NFT, or non-fungible token. Not surprisingly, this unregulated market appears to be swimming in fraud. Joining me today to talk about this are Neil Turkowitz and David Lowry. Neil is a consultant, attorney, and artist rights advocate. David is a singer-songwriter, co-founder of the bands Cracker and Camper Van Beethoven, and is one of the most outspoken artists defending rights in the digital age. Very recently, Neil wrote about plagiarism of visual art and the scope of fraudulent conduct on the NFT site OpenSea. And David has been raising the alarm about the site HitPiece, which claims to offer NFTs of popular music without its operators having permission to do anything of the sort. So let's let's start with the obvious, even though everybody's tried. What the hell is an NFT? Who wants to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. I was thinking, well, it stands for non-fungible token. It's sort of like a cryptocurrency like a bitcoin but there's only one right you only get each there's only one of each thing and then that token is associated either legitimately or illegitimately with some sort of other digital asset they may or may not have sort of music that comes with them or artwork that comes with them and uh it just it's kind of just it's uh, just it's really technically just an entry in a blockchain ledger. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, can you do can you top that? <laughs> yeah. I don't can know. Can you can you my, make my, that any my, clearer? My my favorite was that maybe instead of calling it non-fungible, which is in fact, as David says, the correct thing, we call it non-funginable, um, which I saw some someone someone tweeted, which does seem appropriate you know it's ridiculous you know an nft as they were saying it's not the artwork it's not the content it's just a line of digital code it's a ma- it's essentially a map to some other location where content may be found that map is uniquely expressed in an nft but there's nothing remotely unique about the content to which that nft is directing the user so it, it's kind of like the your worst case of totally manufactured scarcity. There's no, uh, and it, I, I mean, here I'm kind of jumping ahead, but it's one of the great ironies of NFTs is that they seem to be extremely popular among a crowd that complained about the artificial scarcity of copyright, whereas to the extent that there was scarcity in copyright, it was designed for a purpose in order to sustain the create the the lives of creators. Whereas in NFTs, scarcity is the game itself. It's not an end to something. It is the game. Um, well, so, you, you know, know um, and, and in some cases, these NFTs don't point anywhere. I mean, the one I think we're going to spend up talking about today <laughs> doesn't point to anything. I'm not even sure what you're buying well well okay so and i do want to come back to the to the broader picture of whether nfts are just pure smoke and and i mean i'll 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 admit that um 
you know, ever since the whole, the story broke and people would say, you know, they'd ask me what I think of NFTs and copyright. I kept just avoiding the conversation, hoping they'd be dead by now. So I wouldn't have to, but you both have, have covered different areas of, of NFT markets where you, where, uh, scams are obviously present where there's fraud going on. Um, and, and I'll start with you, Neil, partly because you're, you're, uh, your pieces came out first, but also because um, you you mostly were talking to an artist, a visual artist, and visual art I think is where NFT kind of broke, right? I mean, those that, those are the big stories that we saw. But tell me a little bit about the you know the interview you conducted with this artist and what what you learned uh, about about the market. Yeah, so um, so it's really interesting. I mean, as you say, the uh, the NFT craze kind of uh, focused first and foremost on digital art. Uh, so it was digitally native, um, so which kind of made it different. And it sort of also led to some of the mythology around the NFTs that this somehow this was a celebration of the digital artist. That here was you had the first purely digital, digital native form of creativity. Distribution was avoided intermediaries. You had this kind of perfect libertarian dreamscape where uh, all of the the hands of government and bureaucracies no one was involved this was pure people to people um, so the fact that it was focused on on digital created art that it never had no place in the analog world really helped to sustain that that vision um, what what became clear quickly obvious um, including with this group that I that I interviewed, NFT Theft, was that yes, you could create these NFTs and you could find mechanisms and creative mechanisms for distribution of these materials that avoided any bureaucracy, avoided centralization, but there was no um, safeguards to ensure that any of this took place with the consent of the creator, so that you had this in, in, entire ecosystem built in large part around the mythology that this was a this was liberatory for creators this ability to to avoid the middlemen through disintermediation but all built on a lie now for those of us actually including the three of us who have lived through this long enough we've seen this exact rhetoric we've lived this dance um, and um, you know, part of it, it's, it's been sort of interesting because uh, in the discussions I've had with digital artists, they're feeling so much like the canary in the coal mine. And they talk about being the canary in the coal mine, which they are in the NFT space. Um, my point is, wow, we have so many canaries because musicians, you know, <laughs> musicians were confronted exactly the same thing, exactly the same rhetoric, exactly the same nonsense about empowerment through disintermediation without dealing with the questions of abuse. So can disintermediation provide a, a liberatory framework for creators and providing a mechanism? It's, con it's conceptually possible. Certainly David Lowry, I think early on was one of the first to think, hey, there, there's something here, but it all falls apart the moment that you don't have these um, safeguards in place to ensure that it takes place with, uh, with, with the authorization of the creator. Um, so who are we empowering? I mean, in the end, 
just like Napster and, and did 20 years ago, what was called liberating really only liberated creators from the ability to make money from their craft. And I don't think that's the kind of liberation right. that anyone should be welcoming. Right. Um, you, you would think that uh, some of the visual artists would, would see the dead musician canaries on the ground and, and get a clue up <laughs> what you just said. But um, before I come back to, to another question, David, let me ask you to outline, because you looked at something much more recently and, and, and that's a little bit different than, than the, um, you know, the, the uh, visual art world uh, with music, because because as I understand it, in the visual art world, what we've mostly seen so far is people just going ahead grabbing a digital file, minting it into an NFT and then selling it, having not asked any permission. Whereas David, you just recently wrote about hit piece, which was launched to uh, create NFTs out of your favorite musical works out of your favorite songs. And yet it doesn't even appear to be selling anything, <laughs> but please tell, tell me what you found. Cause you... well, they, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, a few days ago, apparently this is, site's been kind of bubbling under, but a few days ago, either, you know, a bunch of musicians all happened to finally look at their Google alerts and saw that there were, you know, their NFTs for their various songs were appearing on this website, or most of them were populated uh, sometime in the last week. Uh, but But what happened was basically... You know, like many musicians last Monday, I think it was, or Tuesday, I just started noticing all these musicians online that I follow in various social media accounts posting what they said were fraudulent N NFTs on HitPiece. And HitPiece.com uh, turns out to be a site that was purporting to sell you NFTs of basically any song that you wanted. Big bands, small bands. I mean, first thing I did is I go Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Beatles, you mm -hmm. know, and then I did completely obscure bands on this website. And sure enough, and uh, that they had essentially scraped Spotify to build essentially a marketplace of every single song. Uh, album and album that was available on Spotify. Now, I don't know every single one, but every one that I could think of, I found mm -hmm. on there. And as far as I could tell, certainly with my stuff, nobody had any, had given any permissions to do this. And virtually the hundreds and thousands of similarly situated musicians on Twitter that were coming into my feed, they were saying the same thing. Like I never gave anybody any permission to mint these NFTs. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so suddenly every musician that I know, probably every musician in the world is looking at this website and looking at these NFTs for sale. Now, um, one of my tracks uh, was, there was definitely a live auction for it. I didn't bid on it. Mm -hmm but there's definitely a live auction on one of my tracks. It's not clear that all of my tracks had live auctions because I didn't sort of understand exactly how they had the site right. laid out at first. Um, but 
definitely there was a live auction for at least one of my tracks. And the way they were doing it, if if I were to say bid on and purchase an NFT of one of your tracks, what what would I find? I mean, is the is the track actually stored somewhere and they they're distributing music, or is it just so? <laughs> So, so it's a picture of the artwork uh-huh. that goes with that song, usually the album, but sometimes, you know, some of these songs had singles and sometimes they just had other artwork in there. I'm not sure how that ended up there. Um, it was a picture of the artwork. Couldn't necessarily play the song anyway, I found. And I didn't actually try to buy anything because, you know, it's an unlicensed site. I'm not going to put my credit card in, you know. <laughs> But my understanding is a number, at least one label I know of, uh, bought something. And the, uh, this uh, label uh, indicated that what they got was just kind of a receipt and there wasn't really anything there. It was just sort of like, a receipt saying you purchased this track or something like that. I'm not describing it very well. I didn't actually see this. Sure. It was just described to me. Sure. And uh, so according to one label that I know, you know, they, they bought, um, they bought a track. Um, but that's almost not really the point because the, or the thing that's outrageous, it's just that, um so maybe there wasn't music there or anything like that but it was purporting to be something that essentially i had authorized right. or you know allowed right. or endorsed right, right? <clears throat> whether it's just a link in a database somewhere or something like that to one of my songs it came with my picture my trademark mm-hmm. and oftentimes copyrighted artwork mm-hmm. that um that i've registered you know that i own, right. own the rights to that i gave nobody permission to use right? right right well what strikes me um about the similarity uh and neil tell me if, if you agree that you know between these two say the the open sea um market which you looked at and what's going on a hip piece is there I guess there's two, there's sort of two pieces. One is, one is what they're doing to the alleged, you know, to the proposed uh, purchasers of these. And, and that seems rather fraud, fraudulent. And then, and then of course, what's being done to the actual artists in each, um, in each platform. And, and one of the things, Neil, that struck me about uh, your interview with that artist was that in, you know, it has NFTs have, been, have not been around that long. There seemed to be a fairly rich lexicon of terms that have evolved to describe different fraudulent behavior. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's already, I mean, I, what did I, you know, I don't know what uh, uh, wash, what is it? Wash poles? Yep. Yeah. No. Well, it, rug rug pulls. Rug pulls, and then there was something. Rug rug, rug pulls. Dump dump and trade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were nope. all these all these terms that have already evolved for this market. <laughs> it's like, well, that was short lived. Yeah. Well, look. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to. No. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go, go, I'm go. sorry. Just. No. No. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one of the things about it that strikes me, and Neil, I don't know if you found this, but. 
let's say you were legitimately interested, you know, in offering some new technology, something like this, and it's based on scarcity, it's based on a certain amount of authenticity, you know, and being the only thing. If you were really legitimately trying to create a new product marketplace, a product category or something like that, you would be happy that people like me and you are exposing the frauds, right? Because you want this to be a real product a real industry, a real exactly. market with authentic goods that don't burn the consumer. Right. Does it seem like anybody is happy that, you know, for instance, we're exposing these things or other artists or graphic artists are exposing these things because it doesn't seem like they're happy that we're doing this, right? Which leads me to, me to believe it's a fucking scam, nothing yeah. else. Otherwise, we're the grownups, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, have, I haven't seen any of the the platforms kind of welcoming this this uh, scrutiny to make sure that you have a legitimate marketplace. Because the reality is, is that NFTs don't really perform any function that you that's necessary within. If you if your aim was to construct a digital marketplace that observed the consent of the creator and created a marketplace. You don't, the NFT itself is not relevant to that experience. So the NFT itself, I think is, is part of the grift. As a consequence, I think you, you don't see these platforms welcoming greater scrutiny of the NFT element in order to create a legitimate NFT marketplace because the legitimate NFT marketplace is itself something of a non-entity. Non now, there, you know, the reality, there may be some places, there may be brands that decide they want to release NFTs in the so-called metaverses um, because it, it's a branding exercise. Um, but the, the, the space is really just, it, it, is, it is precisely the analog of what we experienced 20 years ago with, with Napster and its progeny that you can monetize chaos and companies that are interested in monetizing <laughs> chaos have no interest in addressing the chaos. Addressing the chaos, whether you're YouTube, whether you are Grokster, whether you are Napster, meant that you were destroying your own business model. So today's, today's, today's companies and entities are no, are no better. It, to me, the really fascinating thing about OpenSea and, and Hit Media is that Hit media managed to do yeah. the impossible yeah. to make OpenSea look like a good player. Um, well, so there's, there's something else here too, though. Pretty, I, I like pretty extraordinary. Now, if you well, do um, look at this and see who's there's kind of two groups of people that are benefiting, right? Um, I'm not an expert on NFTs. I'm not an expert on blockchain. But look, there are kind of two. There might be people who are scamming or pumping and dumping or doing whatever kind of scam and stuff like that too. But the fact that there's energy, like and exchanges and activity going on with these NFTs, they're all based on a particular blockchain, right? And in order to transfer one item to another, there you have to pay fees to those who, I don't know, it's not really manage or sort of manage 
the transactions on the blockchain, right? So, well, right, right, because all of, all of those transactions require energy. So you have gas fees, which is so it's it's actually the gas fees, which then is also yeah, literally part of gas the environmental fees, destructiveness like, of this entire. They're called ecosystem. gas fees, but they um, churn out so they carbon it, when they're processing this stuff too, right? <laughs> exactly. Have, uh, on that topic, because um, I I think that's that's one of my instincts is is that you know for sure the the people making out on this market are whoever's charging to you know the minting fees right <laughs> that's for sure you know it's sixty bucks or or sometimes a hundred, over a hundred bucks to mint something those guys are making out um, but also since you brought up the environmental thing has either one of you looked at the the actual numbers on that with the the carbon output of I haven't. I just understand uh, it's it's horrendous. It's costing us. Substantial, right. Okay. Yeah. Substantial, yeah. 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 I'm going to go and look those numbers up when we're... Yeah. uh, I mean, the numbers are pretty horrifying. I mean, there's some discrepancy between different parties about exactly how destructive it is um, with some NFT defenders saying on on a relative basis, it's it's not what it's being characterized characterized as but it's still highly destructive most of the existing defenders of nfts say we're working this out it's going to get better we're at an early stage Um, but the reality is is that the way that blockchain works is inefficiency i mean once when you have a distributed ledger the only way you create authenticity and immutability is by building in a ton of transactions so they can't really reduce the number of transactions. So they can't reduce the gas fees. Now you can go, you, you can change, you can affect that a little bit by looking at how you're going to create authenticity. But the reality is, is that the only way it achieves its basic purpose is through a huge multiplicity of transactions. So it will always be an energy consumer uh, and environmentally unfriendly. There is no future where, where that's not the case. The thing is, is if you wanted to have an authentic digital token, right? You know, a piece of scarce digital property, you don't need a blockchain to do that, right? I mean, um, it's just it just feels like <laughs> NFTs we're just kind of stuck onto this other thing to find, you know, like some, you know, somebody's, I've got all these, these computers here, you know, processing, you know, cryptocurrency transactions or whatever like that. Uh, How else can I make money? You know, like what else do I need? Or more sinister, I've got all this money tied up in cryptocurrencies, like, you know, people who started these things, like, I don't know, uh, what's Lubin and is one of the guys, there's two people who basically started Ethereum or Ether, right? How much money do they have tied up in that? Because I know Ether is like the value of Ether is in the trillions now, right? And like, do they own 25% of that? Do they have 25% of the, of the cryptocurrency out there? I mean, you can't dump that without crushing the value, right? So you need, you need a really, really liquid 
market in ether and you know activity on the chain to basically slowly move your money if you're intending to take move your money out into other currencies right do, do you see what i'm getting at you kind of need there there's whether they intended this or not this benefits owners i think that have large amounts of currency tied up in these you know cryptocurrencies they started because you know, it's just, it's kind of just creates more activity, which is kind of like liquidity on the, on the blockchain for them. Yeah. Well, I would say, and it, relatedly, one of, I mean, the backers of crypto and blockchain have been searching for what they call a use case, to demonstrate the value of crypto, to demonstrate the value of blockchain. The reality is, is that almost they've really been incapable of, of, of finding a use case that couldn't be achieved just as easily and more efficiently outside of the crypto world. So part of the beauty of NFTs for that for the crypto blockchain crowd is that they think they have their use right. case, or at least they have the, the illusion of a use case because they can they put the creator, they say this is liberatory for the for creators, we're creating this tool um, so that they don't want crypto to only be associated in the public mind with, with um, illegal activity. So really what you're looking at is cover. Yeah. You're looking at, and, and it's very useful cover. It's, it's um, you know, if, pe if they can convince people that this is artist friendly, then all of a sudden they have, they have their use case and they have a public relations coup, which is why it's so important for those of us who, who have lived through this, who are who care about artists surviving from their craft, to be talking, to be speaking out, to uh, to take this disguise away. This is not about creators. If you want to create something for creators, if you want to create, if you want disintermediation to work for creators, this is not what it looks like. And we shouldn't be destroying the planet mm. and creating these crypto scams. Uh, Within, under the pretense that we're somehow doing this for the creative community. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, and those are very interesting uh, uh, perspectives in terms of the motives of what, what kind of created the NFT craze. Um, but I wanted to, on that topic, I wanted to go back a moment because I, I still remember when it, it sort of started bubbling up and people would do what they have done in the past, which is say, aha, this is finally a solution for artists. It, it it obviates the need for copyright and it in it it find and it's a way for them to get paid and you know whenever i saw that headline the same thoughts ran through my how <laughs> paid maybe how it how it's a solution you know work around for copyright i had no idea i didn't want to ask but what on what basis do you think artists bought that message why in a you know like if you're a you're a visual artist or a musician or anybody and 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 i was able to get you excited about the nft what was it that that you think worked in that context you know in that context says oh wait a minute i i I've, this is a solution for me what what do you think was the compelling <laughs> the compelling pitch well the only way it worked in that context was that people were making a lot of money off of cryptocurrency and so this sort of seemed like 
God, we're not making any money off of streaming or much off of our live shows. Never really made much off our live shows. But um, and and so those guys are getting <laughs> rich. And this is some kind of like crypto token thing. So maybe we'll get rich. Like it's just like on the sort of the most uh, the, the sort of the the dumbest sort of linkage there, you know, just the lowest grade sort of linkage is like. But if you, but mm -hmm. if, but if, immediately though, if you step back and you go, well, look, you know, I make recording, I write songs, I make recordings. I think I do pretty good at it. I'm not as fast as I once was, but you know, I think I'm pretty good at it. I built up all the skill over the years. Why would I then make all my money from something mm -hmm. that's not like it's a skill set that I don't have. I'm just gonna make these crypto, you know, tokens, right? For my songs. And that's somehow gonna make me more money than the <laughs> thing that actually does have value. Right. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean what you're describing there is sorry uh, I'll let you, but what you're describing there is a, is a classic bubble. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's everybody just getting excited because somebody else made 6 million bucks. So I don't get it, but I want some. Right. <laughs> so, right. There was probably one event more than any other event that created this set of this uh, excitement and expectations among visual artists. And that's, you have one artist, people selling a piece for $69 million. So, you know, $69 million is going to get people thinking like, mm -hmm. wow. All right. So here's this, this mechanism. I, if I um, could make one sixty-ninth of that, I'd be okay. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. So, 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 you know, that, that grabs attention. Um, and it, but again, so much the analogs back to, to the music world 20 years ago, 25 years ago are exact. I mean, Yes, some for some people. I mean, you, know, you could have Amanda Palmer make a ton of money doing Kickstarter. And then you have defenders of a corrupt status quo saying, look, people are making money. Well, yes, some people make money, just like some people win the lottery, some like just like some people leave casinos with money. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll notice this constant trend that the defenders of this system point to the successes. And there are some, mm -hmm. but there will be successes in any system. Right. The, the numbers don't work. The, the framework doesn't work. Right. The system doesn't work. There are success Everything. stories and Ponzi schemes too. Exactly. Well, and, and that's, so that's what you have here is you have a Ponzi scheme that's dotted with enough individual successes to obscure the understanding of how this does not work, how dysfunctional the system is, what it means to take off the guardrails completely uh, in a immutable ecosystem in which it's almost impossible to address issues of infringement. So, yeah. Well, there, there's another thing about this too. I, I, I would point out that um, there have been some strategic investments in this space in, uh, in that um, what I mean is that People who, someone somewhere who was really interested, or maybe a group of people individually, independently, whatever, who were very interested in seeing NFTs take off, 
have made really strategic alliances with people in the gray music, in the part of the gray market of the music industry. And by the gray market of the music industry, I mean the agencies, the talent agencies. I don't know if you know this, but I, one of the big talent agencies, I'm spacing on it now, has some invest, is it CAA, CAA. right? And a number of their artists. It is, yeah. That was a lot. I was trying to do something funny there, but uh, I guess I <laughs> didn't really get it. But no, but like there's key players in the music uh, and entertainment space that now kind of are invested in this happening and making money, right? And so when you have the you know key players, power brokers like agents and agencies and stuff like that pushing something out like this. I mean, man, you can you can really fool a lot of people for a long time before the bubble finally, you know, breaks, bursts, right? Right, right. Yeah, but at least in that, I mean, I, I still don't, I still don't get it. I still don't see how the the buyer is not is not buying smoke, but it at least if it's smoke and it's verified smoke, like we verified the source of the smoke. And controlled that you know the everybody who who has any interest in the smoke has 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 authorized this process and it's and it's at least controlled up to that point, you know and and uh, I I don't know I guess within within that very bizarre context there's some legitimacy to that or or am I just well out I, I don't know I mean that did the agency, <laughs> no no I mean it seems like the agencies jumped in bed with YouTube also too so this is actually there's kind of something going on here there's something about all this that feels the same to me but um i'm sorry neil i, I cut you off no no uh, you know so one thing is clear in this whole crypto nft space is that there's a lot of money to be made in the short term so you have a lot of players following all over each other and as david as you were saying there's so much money behind this including so many of the leading vcs um, with Andreessen Horowitz in particular. So people are going to make money. So lots of people want in. And, and everyone who wants in isn't equally evil, right? But there's a certain amount of grift that you're going, that anyone who's in this space needs to accept. David, going to your question, like, are you missing something and seeing that this could be a framework if, if you had guardrails, if it took place with consent, is there a space? And again, I would come back to theoretically, yes. The problem is that once, if they, that once that's your goal, your goal is to create a mechanism for sort of disintermediated distribution of creative materials that gives back to the creators, you don't need the NFT part, right? Exactly. So you actually, you've actually eroded the one part. So, so yes, you could construct that, but you basically construct NFTs out of existence, um, which would be good for the planet, good for artists. Um, but we're not going to see that, right? Because you have there's just way too many, way too many people invested in it. You're going to continue to see investment um, in this space. You're going to see more and more major companies um, uh, in the NFT space. It's going to be a little bit like just like just like. In times you're when Safeway thought it needed to have a Facebook page, every company is going to think it needs to have an NFT strategy. So 
<laughs> you know, the reality is, is we're in the NFT space, right? It's take it's yeah. going to happen. Uh, and the question for all of us is, how do we, at a minimum, ensure that it takes place with guardrails in place so that it, we're not just looking at it, a, another round of major theft from creators being uh, and profits being siphoned from creators to technology companies, to VCs, um, and others, and that's going and that's a huge challenge. And asking almost the op, asking almost the opposite question: If NFTs were regulated by the SEC, is there any standard by which they would pass muster as a viable commodity? I, I would ask it not be put into the into the hands of the federal government and like to see it like states should come up with guidelines on this kind of fraud or laws or something like that i i, I worry if it get put in the hands of federal incident so so the guardrails are laws right just like it's always been um the guardrails are laws and i think if you uh i mean maybe the the federal government can have some sort of guidelines for some basic acceptable behavior uh you know or for what an ft nft actually is or something like that but I'd, I'd really rather see like states and localities be able to like you know uh, charge people with crimes for making fake fake nfts right i mean it's the internet it's hard to do but i mean what we've done is we've sort of federalized enforcement on the internet. I'd like to see let's that's not worked really great. Let's let's try going the other way. I, I agree. I mean, I think you definitely want to see state um, the ability of states to prosecute for fraud. Um, I, I I don't think that the SEC designating NFTs as securities subject to regulation would. Uh, preempt state authorities from dealing with commercial fraud. So hopefully you could see both things. And I'm not an expert in, in SEC regulation, but my understanding from what I from what I've read is that in fact, if the SEC moved forward and regulated NFTs as securities, then in fact about 90 to 95 percent of current NFT activity would would disappear. And then you, you what you would have left, would be scams which you would go after criminally and legitimate activity. Um, so I do actually think, again, it's not my area of expertise, but based on what I've read, that there's actually value in moving forward, dealing with this as a, as a securities issue. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about at all that we, and this would also be related to designation as securities, is the role of celebrities in pushing crypto and NFT space um, without disclosure of any financial interest. There's been lots of recent reporting about how in fact how celebrities who have, who have claimed to have acquired NFTs in fact haven't paid for those NFTs that there's money behind them. Um, so the uh, we definitely want to see more exploration of the whole influencer space and celebrities that are pushing this agenda uh, and so transparency caused by the SEC relating to to designation of security would be would be pretty interesting. I'm still baffled by the fundamental value of what the thing is. I mean, whether at the state or federal level, securities laws are there to protect investors from frauds. 
from fraud and it's hard not to see nfts as selling the brooklyn bridge well well no just and just from an you know speaking from sort of more put my economist type hat, hat on right there is no value being created i mean in the nft i mean maybe somebody makes digital artwork that's where the value is created not in the nft further the nft makes the marketplace way less efficient right it doesn't make it more efficient it makes it less efficient so like so okay yeah we're going to do this thing that doesn't it's not actually any value so you're like okay well maybe it's just sort of a you know a vehicle for a marketplace to be efficient no it's actually a vehicle to make a marketplace completely less efficient right and the bigger it gets the less efficient it gets the bigger the marketplace gets the you know the more the more transactions just the more and more like you're going to have all of these like sort of ghost economic transactions like just making the overall economy, I don't know if it's like a large percentage less efficient, but it's making the economy less efficient, right? That's never good. Like that, that's never good. That, that destroys like wealth usually rather than like creating wealth. And that goes to my other question, which is whether this will crash. Well, it, Essentially, I, obviously, with NFTs, as we were saying, NFTs just being a line of code, it's not the art itself. The the only value in an NFT is the ability to of the purchaser to derive greater value in a subsequent sale. So that at a certain point, it becomes relatively obvious that the market has has hit the top point, that the hype has has hit, and then you start seeing the sell off and sell off, and and with lots of with, with lots of losers, they um, say there's no there's no there there. Right? You're not selling art. You're not selling. You're you're selling a a, a concept. A uh, I mean, we're at the. I mean, I don't know. Part of me like thinks as a philosopher, I should be delighting in the kind of Dadaist um, disruption of the notion of property. Uh, the sad thing is that this this isn't being moved by a questioning of the meaning of ownership or a radical rethinking of the downsides of over of capitalism. This is capitalism at its most extreme. Um, and as I was saying before, you know, where the point of artificial scarcity is scarcity. It's the game of scarcity, and it's a and um for no other purpose so i think you will you know it will crash in on itself um when that hits it's hard to say as as i say i think it's it's going it'll be postponed for quite a while because you're going to see continued investment in the nft space from major corporate corporate players you're going to continue to see it you know i mean andreessen horowitz has a huge stake in 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 propping up the value uh, so you'll continue to see it grow for some time. Um, I think there's been a healthy and very vocal um, skepticism, which is different than what took place 25 years ago with musicians when you only had a handful of people, including 
David, who were who were prepared and brave enough to stand up to stand up and say, "This is a hoax. Don't buy into this. This is not democratizing art. This is not liberating artists. This is not the mechanism for our survival." Go back to the drawing board. But at that point, you know, it was viewed. I mean. And and all props. I mean, David was amazing, and 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 Lars was amazing. You know, but you had a handful of people who were viewed so unfairly as dinosaurs trying to preserve a legacy model, as opposed to people who understood completely what was in play. I think it's a little different this time, where you've had a much more immediate and broader reaction from the artist community, rejecting the promise, the illusory promise of the NFT. Um, ecosystem. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And wasn't it all the same venture capital firms? <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, but you know, hey, those guys got rich, so I want to be like them. You know, so um, yeah, you know, there is in economics. There's, I think, still an ongoing discussion about whether you can predict a bubble or not. And this guy, Herman Minsky, I think was his name. Weirdly, I think he was like at someplace like Bard College or something. Um, After he had had a paper and a theory, and after he died, uh, I think it was long after he died, because I think he died in the, well, he didn't die that long ago. Anyway, he wasn't that old. But anyway, after he died, people looked at his paper and said, oh, this is actually exactly what happened with the housing crisis. And his thing was, his idea was essentially, you don't want to look at like the prices of things if you're looking for a bubble. What you want to do is you want to look at the participants in the marketplace, right? And I'm not gonna give you the technical name, for those, but those later um, sort of uh, translated into the vernacular as the innovator, the imitator, and the idiot, right? So, you know, innovators get into market and drive an asset up, and then imitators follow from and drive it up farther. Um, You have a bubble, though, only if you have those two first, and then you have the idiots in there, the people who have no business buying these assets, buying these assets and pushing them up. I'm pretty sure we're at the idiot stage right now. And it got there really, really fast. fast. (laughs) Right. And that, and that goes along with what I was saying about the, the, you know, the, the rather long lexicon of, of terms, you know, for, for different kinds of fraud that are, that are occurring in these markets. Um, Based on that, I guess we should be frightened if any if any state retirement funds start start investing in NFTs, we might as well lo- load up the shotgun and buy buy the candy. <laughs> I, th- I I believe I believe the housing market were German savings yeah. clubs, right? That were buying the yeah. chopped up yeah. mortgage backed securities, right? Yeah. The lower tranches, yeah. right? So they had no business doing that. They right. So we'll, we'll we'll go. Maybe we should check that out, right? And see what see what they're buying. Yeah, and I hate to say this, but I think that major institutional investors are already in crypto. So. Well, okay. And how would you just since you said that? I mean, how would you distinguish 
I, I can't believe I'm about to use the word, but the legitimate crypto mark <laughs> from the NFT, because they're not the same thing, right? I mean, they are distinguishable. Um, however, I, I, you know, I, I remain pretty skeptical about crypto in general, but is, is there a distinction to be made? Well, gold is kind of like you know, a Bitcoin mm-hmm. or Ethereum or something like that in that it does, it is gold. It does have uh, industrial uses, right? And stuff like that. But a lot of the value is just simply sort of, uh, I'm afraid of, you, you know, <laughs> like it, a lot of its value is just in people being mm-hmm. fearful about what's happening with the economy. So it's not that, that mm-hmm. much different. But um, okay. I mean, it's a hard call because, you know, like Bitcoin, you know, all the cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, as long as we mm-hmm. believe in them, they have value. And if we stop believing in them, we don't. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Every, every, every time, every time, every time someone uh, is skeptical about crypto, a fairy dies. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm personally responsible for a whole fairy genocide in, in the yeah, last so, year. But... Yeah, a fairy. So, yeah. by by the way, I the um just earlier today. So there have been a bunch of people who have really been leaders in in highlighting the fraud and uh, behind the whole crypto scene, um, and and in large part how it aligns with authoritarianism. You know, it's this fear of government. And there's so many things, I mean, political, economic, social, cultural that are wrapped up in, in crypto. So it's really important to look at, all right, put all of that aside. What does it actually do? Um, David Girard, who's one of the people who was, I think, first out of the gate, David Columbia, David Girard. Um, uh, but he tweeted earlier today, and it was just perfect because it's, you know, I think he only used about half of the characters he needed on Twitter to express it. He says, I put it to you that there is no possible use case of NFTs that cryptography without the blockchain cryptocurrency doesn't already do. So, it's I mean, exactly. It's yeah. just, I mean, it, it comes down to it's that simple. I mean, this whole thing mm-hmm. is a complicated pyramid g- game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who are playing, don't know if they're players or being played. Right. Uh, and uh, so anyway, I think, I think we all, we're still gone. it's just imperative that we all continue to, to try to educate people. One, just to help avoid the, the people who can't afford to lose shouldn't be in this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one should be in this space, yeah. but the people who should least be in this space are the ones who shouldn't at least afford um, the, the, the losses that will take place. So if we can help those guys, we should be helping them. Um, and a big part of that is unmasking the, this, the mythology around this being part of a movement that helps creators. Right. Well, and, and um, I think I heard you a moment ago sort of alluding to the idea of the, um, you know, the, the, the guy who fears the collapse and so is tucking, you know, cash in the in the in the mattress just in case, you know, it's part of the prepper uh, agenda. Yeah. Which, I mean, that strikes me as especially funny if crypto is your is your say is your safety 
Because <laughs> what exactly? I mean, when the collapse yeah. comes, where where are you going with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's not going to so buy when you a the, when the, what happens when the <laughs> yeah like an an electromagnetic pulse device, which is a kind of nuclear right light nuclear weapon, which is designed to basically just destroy microelectronics right. and computer memories. Where's your Bitcoin then? (laughs) Listen, there. I will say this: there is one sort of chilling uh, uh, use case for cryptocurrencies, and that's for uh, rogue nation states to avoid the sanction regimes. And they curiously arrive at the point when we're really kicking Mm -hmm. in these sanctions yeah. yeah well i mean you know even even at a lower level crypto is already is 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 the currency of crime i mean we knew that would yeah that was mm-hmm. that was inevitable right. <laughs> and and it, so it's it's successful yeah. as a use case in that in that regard you know if you if you want to buy yeah, drugs online yeah, or, or order a hit or something something mm-hmm. else yeah um yeah uh so by the way for all of you are listeners. I mean, there are lots of resources, um, but one of one of my favorites is a is a site that's operated by Molly White, and it's the title of her thing is called Web Three is Going Just Great. <laughs> but I would I would encourage everyone to to follow um, Molly White if you want the the Twitter handle is Web Three is Great. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does an amazing job of putting together the stories of the crypto NFT world. Um, so Excellent. anyway, I think uh, your your listeners your listeners would be well served to to tune into Excellent. that. Excellent. Well, we'll put put a link to her to her work on the on this on the page that's hosting this. So, but listen, I want to thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, unless there's anything else you wanted to to add that we didn't cover um we just we kind of winged it <laughs> which I, which feels appropriate for the right. topic frankly <laughs> yeah. no my my old, my only question is were you really looking into the future when you named your site the illusion of more because certainly i mean i can't imagine a better description of the nft space than the illusion of more Well, on that note, thank you to Neil Turkowitz and David Lowry for joining me to talk about NFTs. And thank you for listening to the Illusion of More podcast. This is episode number nine in the reboot of the podcast series. 